<clears throat> I won't forget recording this time. <laughs> um, all right, so lecture fourth. We've got a lot of fun um, ideas and, and things to, to cover in this one. I'm just getting my screen to share. So my first question that I wanted to start off with was, um, as we see here, kind of an, an overview of the, the lectures, um, lecture third was on the character of God, and lecture fourth is on the attributes of God. And so, um, well, actually, let's dive into to lecture third for a second, um, where it says that out of those three things that are necessary, uh, the second one is a correct idea of his character, perfections, and attributes. And so as we look at this, they devote a, an entire lecture to the character of God and an entire lecture to the attributes of God. So what's the difference between character and attribute? And um, is there much of a difference uh, that you could see based upon um, reading through lecture fourth for tonight and everything? Like, anyway, just kind of what are your guys' thoughts? Um, character versus attribute and how that pertains to anything, or if it even does. My mom and I spent all afternoon on this one, and we don't necessarily have like a full good answer, but like it, it was an interesting wrestle. Well, all I know is as I was studying Come Follow Me, um, I noticed in Psalms 136 that it was all about the attributes. And I was just amazed that it's like all lines up to what we're studying. And mm -hmm. Um, I was listening to Tammy's Sunday Monday podcast and she had a bunch of the Hebrew stuff woven into Psalms 136 and so it's just if you didn't study if you didn't know the Hebrew stuff you're not gonna see the deeper things sometimes in the scriptures and that was the case for this one and it just blows my mind that all of these things just pop up and explode right in front of me on a mm -hmm. daily basis. <laughs> but yeah. as far as attributes and character, it, they seem very close to me. Mm -hmm. so I'm interested to hear what you and your mom had to say about it. <laughs> yeah, not that we <laughs> have much. We we were trying to chart things out a lot and everything, but not that we ever came out to a, a good final conclusion. But but I don't feel so dumb then. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's worth a good wrestle, isn't it? Well, sometimes it takes me like days to like, oh, that's what that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so kind of taking a look at um, uh, lecture fourth and verse one here. Uh, I think that this one um, is very interesting because I thought I had it. I thought I figured out the whole mystery. <laughs> and um, anyway, so having shown in the third lecture, so every lecture starts off with saying, hey, this is what we just studied. And because of that, we're going to start studying this. So having shown in the third lecture that correct ideas of the character of God are necessary in order to exercise uh, in order to the exercise of faith in him unto life and salvation. And if you'll notice that that phrase right there is repeated so many times throughout the lectures, right? 
Um, that was something with uh, Tyler Griffin at Education Week. He said, he's like, man, they're kind of like a broken record. I mean, they say that phrase over and over again. And so I was already kind of like having that phrase in my mind. But anyway, correct ideas of this character are necessary in order to exercise uh, faith in him unto life and salvation. And that without correct ideas of his character, the minds of men could not have sufficient power with God to the exercise of faith necessary to the enjoyment of eternal life. And that correct ideas of his character lay a foundation as far as character is concerned for the exercise of faith, so as to enjoy the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, even that of eternal glory. So now that we've covered that from last week, we shall now proceed to show the connection there is between the correct idea of the attributes instead of the character of God and the exercise of faith in him unto something different than life and salvation. This one is unto eternal life. And so I thought, oh, that's the key. Mm -hmm. So the character is to life and salvation, but the attributes are to eternal life. And so I did a word search throughout all of the lectures seeing um, when it's used as life and salvation and when it's used as eternal life to no avail like they they kind of use them almost interchangeably i think there is a pattern but i haven't quite clued into the pattern yet but it's not fully um just based upon character versus attributes because as we see throughout lecture fourth um they often use life and salvation in connection with the attributes and then they use eternal life um hmm connection with the attributes as well and so i'm like ah oh, darn it i thought i had something <laughs> but they they use the life and salvation way more often than the eternal life one and so i, I don't know it just got me thinking so here's <laughs> our little ramblings i guess i mean they're not much but um this is verse one let me put it back to its formatting so if you if you um Type out all of verse one, uh, minus, you know, like the little additional fluff that doesn't um, quite get compared. Um, we have uh, these things that are highlighted in, in similar colors here, right? We have correct ideas in all four of them. We have character in the first three and attributes in the fourth. We have um, this necessary phrase. Um, in the first two, and kind of the equivalent being lay a foundation and a connection here in three and four, then we have to the exercise of faith, to the exercise of faith, for the exercise of faith, and then and the exercise of faith. And then we have life and salvation, eternal life, the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, even that of eternal glory, and eternal life. So I found it very interesting that just in one verse, the same idea or theme is repeated four times. Usually with parallelisms, you have it twice or chiastic structure, um, you know, like two max, right? But here, I mean, whoever is the author, whether it's Joseph Smith or Sidney Rigdon writing this one um, or any of the others, but I mean, they are iterating this four different times. And so you know, my brain instantly goes to, okay, let's chart this out chiastically or in parallelism. And so um, I put up here, okay, is this an ABAB? Is it an ABBA? 
Is it an ABA with a, a final thought of a C? Or what are we looking at? And I still can't come to a solid consensus, but to the nearest that I would venture to guess, I would say that this is an ABBA chiastic structure. But I think there are some exceptions to that as well. But let's just kind of read it in that way and like kind of compare um, like ideas and see if there is something that it tells us. Maybe like fresh eyes on this. Well, <laughs> you'll probably see it a lot faster than me and my mom did. But anyway, so taking a look at the correct idea of the character of God, like we did in lecture third, it's necessary in order to the exercise of faith unto life and salvation. And then it goes in the negative, right? So without a correct idea, so it's going to present everything in its, its negative. Without correct ideas of his character, the minds of men could not have sufficient power with God to the exercise of faith necessary to the enjoyment of eternal life. So, I mean, it's, I don't know, it, it's just interesting kind of taking the positive and the negative. Usually that would be a parallelism um, uh, uh, in the, the, the negative or uh, you'd call it a reverse, something along that line. But anyway, I found it just super interesting that an idea in one single verse of Lectures on Faith, it's presenting the exact same sentence almost with little nuances four different times. I don't think that that's, you know, necessarily coincidental or um, something to just kind of gloss over. I think that that's highly significant, but yet I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, so next we went to, and is there any like comments, like just interrupt me, butt in or whatever, because I'm just kind of trying to be nerdy and chart things out here. <laughs> but um, next we went to like the Webster's Dictionary. Like what is a character versus an attribute and a perfection, right? And um, I found that very interesting. So the Webster 1828 uh, Dictionary, um, character isn't actually one of the words defined there, but characteristic is. And so it's, it's something which distinguishes a person or thing from another. So if we are taking a look at God and saying, hey, what are his characters, perfections, or what, take a look at his character, perfections, and attributes um, in order to, to come to him, right? And then they develop a whole lecture just on his character, which is lecture third, uh, his attributes, lecture fourth, and perfections is kind of a, a blend of lecture four and five. But um, <clears throat> attributes is in the that Webster Dictionary. And it says that which is attributed, which is considered as belonging to or inherent in, as power and wisdom are attributes of the supreme being, or a quality determining something to be after a certain manner, as extension is an attribute of body. So I found it interesting that the dictionary is talking about God. Um, in lots of different ways, where we've removed God a lot from our dictionaries, uh, sad to say. But um, anyway, an attribute is something that belongs to or is inherent in something. And then perfections, on the other hand, is taking the attribute and adding to it. 
So a perfection is an inherent or essential attribute of supreme or infinite excellence. So it's taking whatever an attribute is and then perfecting it. As we see with the examples given in the dictionary, it says uh, power and wisdom are attributes of the supreme being. Yet, if you're taking a perfection, the perfections of God, he has infinite power instead of just power. He has an infinite amount of it. Uh, holiness, justice, benevolence, and wisdom. You know, it, it defined power and wisdom over here, and it defines power and wisdom in an infinite sense over here. And so I found that very interesting, that perfections are basically just attributes that have been perfected or in an infinite state without limits or, or measurement. Um, so taking that and looking at <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I'm just being super geeky and uh, boring, but um, let's look at lecture fifth, verse one here. So it says in our former lectures, you know, we did lecture three and four. Um, here we have, uh, we treated the, the being, character, perfections, and attributes of God. What we mean by perfections is the perfections which belong to all the attributes of his nature. So lectures on faith is defining it the same as Webster's Dictionary was defining it back in that day. So given that, we shall speak in this lecture, lecture fifth, of the Godhead and, and talk about the perfections that, that they have and enjoy. And so anyway, I found that just super interesting, taking a, a word look at character attribute and perfection because i think that we've largely lost some of the richness that those definitions had back in joseph smith's day so anyway just kind of taking a look at their six character uh characteristics of god in lecture third there are six attributes um in lecture fourth and um it it kind of it treats the perfections a little bit different, um, but we'll we'll talk about those next week more. <laughs> um, but anyway, so uh, last week we talked that he wait, was. Wait, wait, Cameron. Uh -huh. Okay, can you just read the um, the attributes and the characteristics? Did you put them together so you could just do one and then the next one, or like read the list? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, here in the the leftmost column is all of his character or characteristics. And then here in the middle column is all of his um, attributes. So just kind of going through those um, six here. So from last week, that he was God before the world was created and after it was created, that he is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abundant in goodness. He changes not, neither is there variableness. He's the same uh, forever without variation. Uh, fourthly, that he is a God of truth and cannot lie. Fifthly, that he is no respecter of persons. We spent a lot of time on that one last week. And then sixthly, that he is love. Then taking it and going to the attributes, um, first, knowledge. Secondly, faith or power. Third is justice. Fourthly is judgment. Fifthly is mercy. And sixthly is truth. So and do they so, correspond with each other? Would you say that, that? Um, first is um, 
read for it. And then this, and then the first of the other is knowledge, mercy, faith, or power. Justice changes not. Does it kind of go together? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I was kind of noticing. Um, like for example, like like take the third one. It seems a little bit more obvious than than some of the others, but that he changes not, neither is there variableness with him. So I mean, under the law of justice, there there is that, you know, that he's the same yesterday to uh, today and forever kind of principle. Um, that he was a god of truth and cannot lie. It kind of resembles that of judgment, right? Uh, where he's no respecter of persons, dealing with mercy, um, that he applies mercy when, um, you know, like the laborers in the vineyard, the ones that have worked all day versus the ones that come at the, the end of the hour. But he's no respecter of persons. All can come unto him under that law of mercy there. That he is love. We, we see many scriptures equating love with truth. And so it, it just kind of makes sense that they do seem to go together, that there's six in here and six in here, but that they're almost an evolution or a um, two sides of the same coin type of thing going on. Would it be greater, like like uh, ascension kind of? Uh-huh. That's what, like, I was posing that question to my mom. I was like, so is character kind of the, the base and then we add in attributes that get um, worked on, and then those attributes actually become perfected later on. Like, is is from left to right here? Is that a progression of um, an ascension? Yeah. Uh, are we kind of seeing uh, the progress of God? And is that what Joseph Smith and and the lectures are helping us to to see that as um man is god once was and as god is man may become is that what lectures three through five are, are helping us to understand kind of the, the whole meaning of the lectures of faith is is to to help us to see god right uh-huh yeah exactly to to learn of him and come into his presence like that uh, they they state it plainly and and that we'd know from the many weeks that we we did prior to the lectures that uh, many of them were able to accomplish that. Some weren't, but but many were. Thanks for charting that out. That wasn't clear. That helped me understand that because I kept going when I was reading. I'm like, this just sounds so like the same. Mm -hmm. And it is, but a little more. And a little yeah. more. And I'm not sure that I, you know, I've clued into anything really, but like just charting it out like helped me kind of at least somewhat wrap my head around it um at education week with tyler griffin's class he's like <laughs> i don't know how much he's actually studied lectures or whatever it seemed like it was a, a pretty surface um level presentation but anyway he's like yeah there's all of this and you know uh, they've been decanonized so we don't really need to worry about it and i'm like <laughs> I think there's a lot here, and and some of the the things that um, he was saying as far as um, unto life and salvation, you know, it's kind of like a broken record. Uh, they needed a thesaurus back then, I guess. And I was like, um, I think that they're repeating it on purpose for for some great thing. But uh, I've yet to quite crack that code for for myself. But I think that there, yeah. like you said, I think that there's a lot to wrestling with it, right? Today was the first time I have heard lectures of faith mentioned at church. Oh, yeah. And one of the talks he brought it up as, um, how did he? I think he's been studying it or something. It's like, whoa, really? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I get so excited anytime somebody says that they're, they've studied or are currently studying it. Uh, I just feel so drawn to it right now. Uh, there's there's a lot of power in um, the the message and principles that that it puts forth. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, I was just kind of looking at um, the wording so much on on just <laughs> verse one there that um, it it's just kind of blowing my mind. Sometimes you know. Uh, you can read a, a page of scripture a day. Sometimes you can just read a verse and, and it'll uh, uh, do a lot for you. But another quick word um, thing, since I'm all about that today, I guess. But what do you think it means, this phrase, exercise of faith in him unto life and salvation versus eternal life? Like, if life and salvation are, are two separate things, let's take salvation out of the mix just for a second. What does it mean to exercise faith unto life? Like, I mean, I get eternal life, like, yeah, because that, that comes later, right? Like, we have an end goal that we need to exercise faith until we can get there. But what does it mean to exercise faith unto life? And then bring salvation back into the mix and kind of wrestle with that one. For now and in the future. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the questions that, that popped in my head, because I like to try to go through all the possibilities and stuff, I thought about what was the, uh, the function of faith in our pre-mortal existence? Like, did we need faith in his character in order to even come down to this earth to, to life and then the the salvation part to to get baptized and receive the the beginning ordinances enter the gate kind of a thing and then is the the latter where we have faith in the attributes unto eternal life is that preparing us for for the next phase and kind of like that progression right like and so it, even you know putting the, the lectures on faith uh, aside and just kind of taking a, a look at that, that question that popped in my head of what was the role of faith in, in the pre-mortal existence? Like, did we have to exercise faith in, in certain things? And what did that faith look like? And um, how is that faith different than our faith now? Or is it the exact same thing based upon the same principles? Or is lectures kind of helping us illuminate parts of that i don't know just interesting things to think about well i would think that we would have to exercise faith i mean there was two plans mm -hmm. and they i'm sure they both looked attractive i mean dang yeah right? exactly to be able to trust the father yeah i believe there was a great amount of faith and there will be a great amount of faith that will that will need to to battle the antichrist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at the end time, right? It's interesting. <laughs> so Leslie's gonna uh, <laughs> brave the thin walls. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a, a comment, Leslie? 
Yeah, I did. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> going to be ASMR tonight for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, I, I apologize. I um, you asked the question initially about the um, uh, life and salvation versus eternal life, and then my my brain was uh, focusing on that, and I thought of the the last. I'm doing. I wish I could pull up my. I think I actually can pull up the. Um, can you still hear me? Mm -hmm. Okay. So last chapter, last chapter, the last part before the question and answers, it says that um, <sighs> these attributes of, of the deity are the unchangeable, are unchangeable, um, being the same yesterday, today, and forever, which gives to the minds of Latter-day Saints the same power and authority to exercise faith in God, which the former day saints had, that all saints in this respect have been, are, and will be alike until the end of time, for God never changes, and um, it keeps going on. Um, so I'm thinking of the times in, um, on the earth when They've had supreme joy, the city of Enoch, um, people of Melchizedek, the Nephites after Christ came and to visit them. Yes, we want eternal life, but don't we want the kind of joy that they experienced, even if it's collectively that we can have that individually within our own souls and our own hearts. And I think for me that that's what that means having life and salvation having the salvation here and now and having that kind of life here and now mm -hmm. yeah i love that 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 makes a lot of sense in especially with that that verse 19 there that that wraps it in so so well um like it says which gives to the mind of the latter-day saints the same power and authority to exercise faith in god which the former day saints had like Sometimes I think that we get um, caught up in the, I don't know, the the phrase of the day kind of thing, you know, like uh, that kind of stuff happened back then. It's not really available now. Uh, you know, the ministry of angels was back then. We don't need any more scripture. Only the prophets back then seen God kind of a thing. But if if Joseph taught us anything, it was that we have the same power and authority to to have those same blessings as the former day saints. I think that's very powerful. And like you said, enjoy with um, like the city of Enoch and, and that. Um, pulling back up that um, first uh, chart I had, it was interesting that both of the, the, the second and the third stanza there talk about enjoyment. Um, when you, you said that, that joy there, uh, that reference it to me the first and the fourth don't but the second and the third do and that's what makes me think that it would be possibly an a bba chiastic structure there but there's enjoyment of eternal life and um, it even references the fullness uh, of that eternal glory yeah i love that any other questions or, or comments um 
I was thinking about just kind of diving into um, the actual wording on the, the six different attributes that are, are found here. Are you trying to talk, Mom? Yes. That was some good stuff you missed right there. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I um, like that it says the attributes are unchangeable. So we can count on those. That's something we can count on. I, I really, really like that. And the judgment, it's going to be fair. Um. All, all six of those are things, truth is truth. Uh, I mean, these are things we can count on. Mm -hmm. I, I really, I like that. It's just good, solid, good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it goes so much um, in contrast to Greek philosophy, right? Uh, we have, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Greeks really ruined everything about Hebrew religion. And so um, we have, for example, you know, the the Zeus narrative and all of the the pantheon of gods and um, that they're always trying to usurp each other and uh, trying to outsmart each other. They have many different human weaknesses and, and things that they, they they just go through a rigmarole of <laughs> of, of storylines. Yet, like you said, God is someone we can put perfect trust in because he's got all of the attributes and not only does he have the attributes he has them in perfection and that's something that we can hang our hat on we can put our full trust in nobody's going to come along and and usurp our god nobody's going to come in and outsmart him in any way or um it's just amazing and that we can approach the throne of god the uh the mercy seat, the judgment bar, all of those different steps along our, our path with full confidence that we are going to be judged fairly, loved fully, and, and understood completely. Like that, that's a, some amazing doctrine, right? Um, so yeah, let, let's take a look at those, those attributes. <clears throat> so first we have knowledge. Um, this comes from Acts and Isaiah. I, I love how much the lectures on faith quote Isaiah. Like, isn't that just wonderful? <laughs> Having somewhat of an understanding of Isaiah now uh, going through that. But it says, so first knowledge. It says, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient time the things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and i will do all my pleasure so the first time i read that um just not first time but uh when i read that earlier today i was like okay wait a minute what does that have to do with knowledge like let's break this down so what is the knowledge that it's talking about here known unto god are all his works from the beginning and um, remembering the former things of old, declaring the end from the beginning. It's kind of about that gift of prophecy. Like he just, he's omnipresent. He knows everything because everything is present before him. And what a great attribute that is, that he is risen to 
the height or the vantage point that he can see the end from the beginning and he knows all these things and like he says my counsel shall stand and i will do all my pleasure um for it's his work and his glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of all men and that knowledge is is key um to understand him in that way and feel free to interrupt and, and stuff when i'm sharing the screen i can't see uh hands popping up or anything so just button if you have additional things um secondly faith or power i love how it's kind of interchangeable in um the, the lectures on faith here that it's all about lectures on power how to increase in faith which is to also increase in power from hebrews genesis and isaiah says through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of god in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth the Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, surely, as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have proposed, so shall it stand. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, I, I guess I misread that first one, purposed, <laughs> and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? You know, there's been a lot of... Um, uh, talk or, or things being uh, thrown at me with um, manifestation or uh, the law of attraction and, and things like that. And, and I have to take a look through this faith or power here and the principle that the endowment teaches us, right, of things are created spiritually before they're created physically um, through all of the days of creation. And then we see that pattern throughout all scripture. But um, it's through faith and it's through um surely as i have thought so shall it come to pass as i have purposed so shall it stand and um anyway it's just enriched my my understanding or my view of what faith and power actually is um how god acts in that way of creation and how we can be co-creators um sharing in that that faith and power as well i don't know if that makes sense but makes sense in my head now <laughs> but yeah but um there where it says surely as i have thought so shall it come to pass i think like we have power to um to to spiritually create mm -hmm. And sometimes that's referred to as like visual visualization of something mm -hmm. in order to help that uh, come to pass. Um, and so I think that kind of fits under what that's talking about right there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're, this is a progression of things. We're, uh, Heavenly Father has, you know, come to perfect this stuff but we're on this journey where we're trying to become that same as him you know and so we're we've got some of these things that we're working on mm -hmm. yeah I we should be working on all of it actually but yeah one of the the best classes at education week was the uh the spiritual physics of light aaron franklin um 
So if you do want to access those slides and recordings, because it, it deals exactly with that, um, uh, you go to the, the book club recordings, go to um, Education Week 2022, and um, it is uh, Spiritual Physics by Aaron D. Franklin. Go in and, and watch those and, and think about the, uh, or buy his book, because there's a lot of that information in, in there as well. Um, the, the power of thought, because everything about us is light. Um, and, and the way that we create the way that communication happens, everything is, is through that, um, the, the spiritual physics of light. I, he explains it so well and, um, kind of, uh, putting it in that context of faith, what is faith? It, it's an actual power, and it's transmitted by light as we have thoughts and make them come to pass. Uh, it's such an interesting principle. Well, and like we were talking earlier, just anything that anyone creates, it starts out that way. Even a little child that's going to build these blocks up and create a, a building or something, he has that visualization of what he's going to create, and then he goes about uh, building it that way so that it forms in that thing. I think any creation is like that. And when we, uh, like even if we were going to sew a dress or something, you know, you visualize it, you, you go through the steps and you create it. And we're just not building worlds yet but <laughs> but we're learning the different steps you know so i have a question yeah wait Elle said something well yeah um let's see she says earlier you talked about faith unto life and so faith is what creates things we have to think and believe it before it can come to fruition if you don't believe you can ride a bicycle, you will find it difficult to do so. Faith brings things to life. I love that uh, uh, application there. Like it, it makes a lot of sense uh, that faith is that that process of creation. Love it. Yeah, because we talked, we did uh, Elder Uchtdorf's talk today, and there's a story of the bicycle in there. I can't remember exactly what it was. people were talking about how they were teaching their kids to ride bikes. And some of them took right to it. And one lady talked about her daughter kept the training wheels on. She just couldn't believe that she could ride without them. And she wouldn't. And, and she just she just couldn't or wouldn't put herself to having faith that she could do it and the courage to do it. You know, and it took her it was one of her last children. I don't know how old she was before she finally took them off. But it was a long time, she said, before she just had the faith in herself that she could do that. Mm -hmm. So I think we just have to believe that anything is possible through Christ, you know, and that we can do things and have things come to fruition. And it's, it's, it's kind of the law of what you say in the law of, I can't remember what you were saying now. Law of attraction uh, or medicine. law of attraction, but they don't bring God into it. Mm -hmm. So that's the that's the problem with that mm -hmm. but it's the basic same principle they just leave god out of it yeah 
And then when we do bring God in, like all things are possible through that mm-hmm. faith. Yeah. 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 So Wendy, what was your question? It was uh, a lot of what Elle was saying, or maybe I'll lead into it, but my parents always used to say, um, whatever you believe, whatever you believe to believe, be true is true for you. Mm-hmm. And so um, anyway, so my question is, you know, I'm back in lecture second um, about the object of our faith, you know, and the object of our faith is Christ. But then I, I wonder, as we, as we discuss the laws around faith, right, and was understanding it as a, um, a principle of power, if the adversary doesn't also utilize or somehow function within that law. And so if people are using like the law of attraction to, to ends that are self-serving and whatnot, or maybe, maybe even like, like trying, trying to do good, but not, I don't know, if they're not based on Christ, if their foundation isn't, I know if my foundation isn't Christ, then I can be led astray. And I can even manifest things that aren't necessarily um, toward Christ, but um, but in, in a way he conse- even consecrates that to my good, if that makes any sense. But because he's he's just has all, all power that way and he can see the end from the beginning. But I, I don't know, I wondered what you guys thought because that's been on my mind lately and trying to understand how to have faith into life and salvation by also understanding like if my if i have an unbelief that i really like like i i don't even know it's there but it's there and i'm manifesting that in my life but it's based on untruth if that's not also a power does that make sense that that satan's then um messing with me in that does that make sense yeah totally so um I was having a conversation with someone today about, <laughs> I mean, this is going to seem really random, but I promise I'm going to bring it back in, <laughs> but um, about the the word of wisdom. Uh, a lot of our, our book clubs, you know, as we were discussing the word of wisdom in connection with uh, lectures on faith, um, uh, there, there was a few of us that, you know, ditched meat and um, uh, was trying that out kind of a thing. And uh, this individual was just, <laughs> he's like, okay, so are you, have you, are you still off meat or is it like this sparingly kind of thing? Like, I want to know what you've experienced and, and if that's, that's real. And we were talking about different examples of uh, diets that are popular today. Right. And we have some that are like all meat diets that are coming out where, um, you know, and, and they seem to work. So what is the difference between God's law and it provides, you know, if you follow the correct law, you get blessings instead of cursings, right? But sometimes you have other things that also have blessings and and can be consecrated, like is God, you know, pouring down cursings because you're doing an all meat diet and not doing any (laughs) of the other kind of things. And so, um, not that that fully applies, but kind of bringing it back to the um, just kind of the two plans, right? Can Satan use correct principles, and can, does God allow some things to to manifest or 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 uh, vice versa in our lives, and you know, still consecrate it for our good um, as we are learning and. Uh, kind of like that bicycle uh, bicycle principle there, right? Like 
yeah, it's okay to have training wheels. And, you know, even though that there's more out there uh, beyond the life of training wheels, um, things can, can still be consecrated for our, our good. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. My, my brain's just kind of like racing, going, trying to find all these different avenues where there's examples and, and object lessons there. But I think that that is an, an important principle to to be asking ourselves and um, learning how the God's laws work and and how to develop this unto life and salvation. So yeah, sorry, I, I didn't really answer any question. That was pretty much a bumble, but I, I love that that avenue, that question that you've got there. Leslie's going to save the day here. What you got? <laughs> You're so funny. Um, I think that um, ultimately <clears throat> when we, let's say we manifest something through the, you know, the, the popular law of attraction, that's still, oh, I, I would think end up being to our blessing because the Lord gives us what we want because it's, this whole life is continually a teaching process. And so we can, I guess like when they got the quail and the Israelites, they found out that it wasn't the end all like they were hoping for. And so, yeah, I think, I think he lets us have the desires of our heart as a teaching tool. And hopefully we're wise enough to recognize that as such. And uh, I was reading tonight on a blog someone was talking about fear, uh, faith over fear. And um, he was mentioning that he uses fear as a compass to point him in the right direction. Not, like when he experiences fear, he, he said, so I thought, you know, we can use anything that is, that we, we choose poorly, um, you know, turn it right around. The Lord will do that for us because he is, all you know he loves us and he's merciful and he wants us to to get it and i don't think he's down on us it's just he wants us to have the joy that can be ours by uh, honing in on on faith and all that mm -hmm. yeah yeah i love that uh, you know just kind of going through these these attributes of that, that perfect love that that he has for us in um helping us along uh, in in every step of the way even when when we're wrong or if, if we've messed up as we've learned um is that in lectures on faith or was that an education week i can't remember everything's kind of swimming together now but um the fact that adam and eve are still talking to god and so is cain talking to god even after they messed up right? Uh, one was a transgression, one was a sin, but they're, they're still having conversations with deity because of their faith, even though um, uh, they don't necessarily merit um, the, the, full, the, the fullness, um, they can still, by faith, come and, and converse with him. Um, and what a loving God is uh, to, to have all of that figure it out and <laughs> allow us to, to approach him. 
Yeah. Very interesting question. I, I'm going to have to really ponder and and think on that one. That one's going to have lots of different uh, <laughs> rabbit holes for me this week. Um, let's see. So uh, that was the second one. The third one is justice. And I think that the third and fourth one uh, heavily go together. We have justice and judgment. And it's interesting that both Psalm 89.14 is, is referenced for, for each. That justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Which is quite deep. Uh, that, <laughs> I spent like a good half hour just on that one. Like, what does that mean, really? And kind of taking a look at the context around it and everything. Then going through Isaiah, tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from the ancient time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else besides me, a just God and a Savior. The just Lord is in the midst thereof. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king comes unto thee. He is just and having salvation. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without inequity. Just and right is he. But the Lord shall endure forever. He has prepared his throne for judgment. The Lord is known by the judgment, judgment which he executes. And so I think that there's a lot to be said for that, that justice and judgment um, in, uh, in Isaiah and Psalms. Like, they go, they go hand in hand there um, as far as um, bringing them into kind of like the different sides of the same coin kind of a thing. Um, and then taking a look at the, the fifth one, which is mercy. Mercy and truth shall go before his face. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful. And then sixthly, with truth, that mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Again, repeating from Psalms, we have kind of like little companion uh, attributes here. Long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. He is the rock, his way is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Into thy hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. So yeah, I, there's some um, amazing attributes there that, um, especially as we kind of transition out of lectures and go into the um, the topical guide study of, of Christ, um, there's some amazing connections and, and principles with those, those attributes, um, kind of like those ones that were kind of paired together. Uh, there's many things that kind of, you can't have one without the other. It, they, they develop uh, quite equally um, as spiritual gifts or as attributes as we seek to develop those in our lives. Would you say that Heavenly Father and Jesus is all about service and that these 
characteristics or attributes are service. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. And that if you look at right before verse four, at the very end, this means to be partakers of his glory. So <laughs> I had this little vision of um, one of my favorite things to do is to serve my family or to serve other people. Like I just get a lot of joy out of helping other people. And I want my children to have that joy. And it's such a struggle. You're like, what? You want me to go pull weeds where? Why? <laughs> and I just feel like um, if we could just open up and, and be his hands and serve, that we could be partakers of, of his glory by, by doing these attributes or becoming or you know, doing our best to be these merciful and faithful and justice and judgment and truth and knowledge. Yeah. Service things. I mean, to be partakers of his glory. What a beautiful thing. Yeah, I love that. Like when I was little, I used to think, oh man, like life isn't that long, right? Like we only have like 60, 80 years to, to really live it up. <laughs> and like I don't think that I'm going to be able to go to all of the amusement parks in one lifetime so like I was so excited for the idea of eternity like okay then I can become a god and then I can just build amusement parks and I can do this and that and on all these things right and uh just kind of the antithesis of what you were just talking about right like their whole objective it, it really comes down to service like their work and their glory is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of all men. And that comes through sacrifice and service and um, all of those, those attributes. I mean, there's, there's nothing self-serving there other than yeah. your joy of seeing his children progress and learn to love him. And nothing about them that is self-serving, nothing like nothing. Yeah. And they're not off building amusement parks in their spare time. They're <laughs> it's all like I created this world for you. I, you know, I gave my son for you. I it's not self-serving at all. Yeah, I love that. And as we incorporate that into our character ever ever more, uh, day by day, and as we progress, like that's that's what Zion is all about, becoming one in heart and, and purpose and principle. And then, like uh, like Christ says, be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And that we may be one. And that we can also have that, that service um, for all of his creations and things. Uh, it's a very powerful principle, isn't it? Uh, and then Wendy says, that's what creates eternal things and connections. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tell you, lecture fourth is like, uh, what did I say? Lecture second was my favorite. <laughs> I'm going to have to really uh, focus in on what my favorite really is, because lecture four tonight has, has really opened up my eyes to, to quite a few things. I, it, every time that there's a wrestle, of like okay i don't get what this is saying this paradox and stuff I, that's where real depth comes and, and i i don't know i've learned to love lecture four a lot tonight
even though I still don't understand all of the the nuances to to verse one there, like we talked about at the beginning. But <clears throat> anyway, any other comments, questions on on lecture fourth? Yeah, it's sixteen all highlighted, but then I look at it and I'm like, what was I trying to to see in this? Yeah. yeah i have the same thing but with like verse 17 i'm like i think 17 is just kind of like the recap of all six of those attributes and it's just kind of like reiterating them it's amazing how much like lectures on faith is not very big but what we do have a lot of it is just repetition 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 trying to like here's this little principle yet it's, it's really vast to comprehend but yet do you got it Let, let's try to cement it in there and um isn't lecture fourth the, the first one that has like actual memorization with it if anybody's mm -hmm. done those <laughs> i know leslie and tracy were working on yeah. it <laughs> um can i say something yeah for sure um the I would say that this is funny. Your screen is frozen. The screen, my screen's, and your Cameron, you're like going, oh, and your hands are out like surprise. <laughs> That's a perfect gesture for me. I'm very animated. <laughs> so as I'm, I'm scrolling. I I didn't have the ability to print out the lecture. Um, but the thing that just really was so impressed upon my soul was it talked repeatedly in there about um, like at point three, without these ideas being planted in the minds of men, it would not have um, not be out of the, the power of any person or persons to exercise faith in God so as to obtain eternal life. And it just kept jumping out at me uh, just the next paragraph is to establish in their minds and um scrolling down real quick to see um the idea existing in the minds of men that god had all knowledge um that planted in the minds of men i don't that was in 14 and in 15 is um one uh, but the idea of the existence of this attribute. Um, once this uh, is once established in the mind, gives life and energy to the spirits of the saints. And, um, and then further on down, it says in the mind, the mind is led to rejoice um, amid all its trials and temptations. He wants to bless us with joy in this life and as well as the life to come and so you know we, we hear so often you know to have to be in the scriptures and you know, we can't have his mind without um, being in the places where mind is being revealed to us and that we we need to be able to soak it in there was some 
uh, I think, oh, I, I do see a daily dose of internet sometimes. And there was a, um, a little clip on there of um, a cup, three cupfuls of water being turned upside down onto earth, one that had been just watered, one that, you know, almost parched because of um, drought and then one in between and the one with drought the water didn't soak in at all just stayed right there and then the one that had flushed the water you just saw the water going go down 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 and being absorbed into the ground we want to be with water so that our minds can absorb every single thing that we read and talked about tonight and that we can rejoice and and have joy and all the things that he so desperately, well, not desperately, but dearly wants to enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I, I hadn't um, seen how many times that minds of men or the mind um, was, was mentioned in there. It's <laughs> quite amazing. Um, I'm going to have to back, go back and Wow. See the pattern. Pretty amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. Anything else on, on lecture fourth or otherwise? Cameron? Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm still, this keeps popping in my head and I don't, I'm trying to pull it all together so it may not make sense as I'm saying it <laughs> so a couple of years back I had a, a Chinese immersion student living with me you know and over there it was everything is just um learn your schooling that's they don't care about doing anything else but just go to school get the highest degree you can get higher 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 so it's all your knowledge what's in your brain it's not the physical you know, as much work, but, you know, study, 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 everything. Well, um, we went outside at my house and it was springtime and there was weeds and stuff, you know, and I says, come here, come help me pull these weeds. And he says, oh no, we don't do that over there. We, you hire somebody to do that. <laughs> I'm like, mm, no, we don't do that here. Anyway, I don't. I says, come on, get over here and help me pull them. And he got down and, you know, he started pulling some and he's like, oh, I, my hands are dirty. And I said, yeah, your hands will get dirty. And then the more he pulled, he's like, I'm getting a blister. I says, that's all right. It'll build your character. Mm -hmm. So as I'm doing these, it's, I mean, there's the things that we get our hands dirty in and we experience and we do. I mean, I, it's going to build your character, your integrity. And it's like I said to him, if, you know, one day, what happens if, you know, something in your knowledge bank, the things that people know you for that you've done, that you are able to do, if it's just all that's in your head, your brain, but if nobody ever seen you do anything of, of good character, how would anybody Oh, did we lose you? 
Let's see. It cut out there um, toward the end, but um, it doesn't say that you're muted. Maybe a lost connection or something. Can anybody else hear? Are you there? There we go. Okay. Sorry. Oh, no, you're good. But um, so I'm trying to put that together. I mean, the more of that character that we instill in ourselves, the more it becomes an attribute. Oh. Am, I, am I on the right track? Am I thinking right? Or am I? At least that's what I've been uh, kind of thinking along the lines when I was studying uh, the characters and attributes today and stuff. It seems like they are kind of that progression. The more time that you spend with that that character, then they become the attributes that uh, get more solidified and, and eventually perfected. So the seems more you understand, even though he thought that was beneath him, I, you know, I says, now you know what those people do. Your hands hurt. Your hands are dirty. Think about that the next time, you know, you're seeing somebody that you just think that's beneath you. Think about that. So that's, I, I'm wrapping my head around how it all fits together also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think that that um, helps <clears throat> um, give kind of a, a paradigm to, to the the characters and perfections that kind of progress through there and uh really kind of taking a look outside of ourselves as well right like, right man, like <laughs> don't just expect other people or assume things or or whatever but um have that that character building that that is not self-serving it comes outside of ourselves right mm -hmm. yeah i love that I think that's a great principle. Um, any other comments or, or questions or anything? It's been such a, a fun discussion. I <laughs> a lecture for it's, it's jumping up the ranks. <laughs> Which lecture has been your guys's favorite so far out of the the four that we've read? I think mine is like out of just those four, it's either second or fourth. I mean, they're they're at a good tie. <laughs> but yeah, I, fifth, I think, is still my my all time favorite one. So it's so interesting as we go over these attributes. Aren't we so glad that he's uh, he's got all knowledge and such can you imagine going to heavenly father and asking him a question and he well i don't really know come back in a hundred thousand years and i'll see if i can't figure that one out <laughs> you know it's not gonna happen he didn't um create us until he was ready to to be all-knowing all everything you know i just think it's so cool mm -hmm. comforting yeah and kind of going back to the <laughs> extreme example like i was saying before of like kind of the the, the greek notion of of gods or um even you know kind of the the catholic or or orthodox view of god 
where he's just kind of like this nebulous amorphous being that isn't really approachable yet he's everywhere or um a pantheon of gods that are constantly trying to usurp each other like we have such a blessed framework in um these latter days to approach god in in a mm. a much different and holier way to actually know what he's like and that he's approachable and we can put full faith in him unto life and salvation and eternal life <laughs> it's very comforting yeah well um for next week we'll let's see what are we on for so we'll we'll tackle five uh next week five is the controversial one that uh ended up getting the lectures decanonized but um uh really pray and, and study the the words of lecture five um if you do want to do the the homework assignment uh, it's a verse two that is uh requested to be committed to memory um <laughs> verse two is really long <laughs> but um I, it is it is worth it um lecture five is is an amazing one and um just kind of taking a, a look at it and it's fullness is, is going to be a fun one next week for sure <laughs> but yeah anyway we will catch everyone next week for another fun lecture <laughs> all right have a great Bye. week everybody. thank you yeah.